Welcome to the Byris Rehab and Performance Podcast, episode number 20. In this episode, I speak to Marco Altini. Marco is a scientist and developer mainly working at the intersection between health, technology, and performance. He has a PhD in data science and a master's degree in computer science engineering, as well as another master's degree in human movement sciences with a specialization in high performance coaching. Marco started the HRV for Training app in 2012 making it a tool that is today trusted by more than 150,000 people, including Olympians and professional teams. The HRV for Training app is a mobile platform using advanced signal processing and data analytics to measure physiology and quantify stress, helping athletes of all levels to better balance training and lifestyle to improve performance. Marco is currently working with product development of the HRV for training app and research. He has done several clinical studies with insights and new features of development of the app. He's also producing and delivering educational material on the topic of HRV, stress and performance. He's a lecturer at the Vrije University in Amsterdam where he teaches at the physiology section of the Department of Human Movement Sciences. In this talk with Marco, you learn who is Marco Altini, Marco's role and work within the field of physiology and data science, the HRV for training app, the history and the science behind this great app, how to get the most out of the heart rate variability, HRV. Is HRV for everybody? What can you get from it as a recreational athlete? You will also hear about Marco's insights towards HRV, the future of the app, and his research. If you want to catch up with Marco, you will get the links so that you can follow him on Twitter. The episode is in English and will be available on your favorite Audible podcast from the 20th of March. So let's get started with the second episode of the second season of the Buyers Rehab Performance Podcast, from the average show to the elite athlete. Hello and welcome to the Buyers Rehab Performance Podcast. I have the pleasure to talk with Marco Altini. Marco, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Where are you? How are you doing? uh, Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Uh, I'm um, here for a couple of years now. Um, spent the best uh, decade, say, between the Netherlands and the US, originally from Italy. And uh, yeah, now I'm here in Amsterdam. In Amsterdam, a nice place, a nice place. So, where, what, why Amsterdam? Why Holland? <laughs> Good question. Actually, when I was studying um, about maybe 10, 12 years ago, I was studying computer science in Italy. And I just, you know, wanted an opportunity to get abroad. And um, I had some contacts here, ended up here, uh, worked here for a while. I think it was, um, you know, a nice environment. Interesting work. Then migrated to this. Um, and you know, after a few years, I don't know, maybe wanted to get back. Uh, you know, to Europe and, you know, closer family and friends and, and things like that. And mm. I ended up again in the Netherlands because, I don't know, in a way I feel like it's um, a good environment for 
what I want to do in terms of, you know, um, small running our small company and, you know, entrepreneurship and uh, at the same time working closer to university and, you know, building a local network and things, things like that. Um, yeah, I would say just, you know, a good, good place to, to do the work that I've been trying to do in the past few years. Yeah, because if you take the train or the, yeah, if you just take your car, you are at home in a couple of hours. Is, is <laughs> yeah, it's, that not, it's not too far. You know? <laughs> no, it's not too far. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if you drive three hours where, where I live, south, I'm just getting close to the North Pole. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a bit I'm more not, isolated. Yeah. If you drive three hours from you, are you actually in France almost? So it's a little kind of differences in the, in yeah. the landscape. So good to hear, good to hear. But tell us about a little bit of yourself, uh, Marco. Who are you and what you've been doing the last years and, and your background? It's interesting to hear and, uh, and to share with the audience. Please be my guest and just take your time. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so um, I have a technical background. I have degrees in computer science and engineering. I have a PhD in data science and machine learning. Um, I started two companies, uh, let's say, at the intersection between technology and health and performance. Um, the one I run now is HRV for training, which is you know something we'll talk about later. Um, basically, the idea is to measure physiology from the body and, you know, try to understand how people respond to different stressors and guide them um, on a day-to-day -day basis. I've been, you know, through this work, I'd say, working mostly in, uh, you know, the sports industry, which is why at a certain point I went back to university and then uh, took another degree in uh, human movement sciences and high performance coaching. So eventually got a bit of a you know, mixed background between the technology and the physiology side. Uh, yeah, which I think are the two things that you know, keep me interested and uh, yeah, motivated to learn more and try to build better tools for people to use. And that's a bit of yeah, what I've been doing in the, in the past few years. Nice, nice because you have a PhD in data, in data science, isn't that correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So yeah. that's what is, you know, getting more into the, the how do we use this data, right? Not just yeah. developing technology to measure yeah. and, you know, not just the physiology side, but, you know, also actually trying to uh, interpret the data and build models that are effective in, uh, you know, estimating the parameters we are interested in. Yeah, because if you compare, if you, if you, if you have a PhD in data science and then you have education at a higher level also in human movement science how have these both those two different worlds been merged in one with the companies that you now run the hrve for training and uh, what is what has been the the main the main the main reason to start them <laughs> yeah you know um i think it was um mix of factors uh you know i've always been interested in sports uh, playing yeah. sports myself uh, i've never been good at any of them but you know the passion was there to play mm. and to learn and to get into these kind of things uh, and then i was uh maybe more of a technology person right so i would start to you know look at the technology that helps us uh monitoring the body and uh you know physiological signals and things like that and about 10 years ago, you know, we started having, you know, the first smartphones that could do something a bit more interesting than the previous ones we had. 
some of the protocols to work with commercially available sensors became easier to use, even just you know communicating with a polar chest strap via Bluetooth mm. was not really something you could do easily before the iPhone 4, for example. So it's no. you know, rather recently. Um, and then from there, trying to find ways to make it even easier for people to measure their physiology. And that's when I developed this method to measure heart rate and heart rate variability just using the phone camera. So that obviously makes things much easier because you know you don't need to spend much money you don't need sensors and you can still measure um, as a matter of fact with the same accuracy things we've validated over the years um, and yeah i guess uh, you know it's been always this process of trying really to combine the two sides the physiology and the technology in a way that is really practical and you know uh, applicable for people in their daily life outside of the lab and, and the things that, you know, uh, we sometimes do in uh, more controlled research settings. I think at this point, bringing back in the loop, the data science aspect, I think it's also really interesting to see how, you know, having these systems deployed to, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands of people, you can actually um, you know, replicate easily what was done in more control setting in the lab. So, you know, you're, first determine, okay, this technology can work, even if, you know, we are not here and checking what is happening because people are using them you know, at the right time, in, you know, at home and they're accurate and all of that. But then maybe we can also learn something more uh, just from the data itself and then use that to provide, again, more useful information to, to the people using them. Yeah, great answer, Marco. Ins insightful. But if you, if we, we, if we get in touch, we get straight to the point, the heart rate variability. Keep it simple, keep it difficult, keep it your way, because this is a, this is a measurement, a way of measurement that is really, really in focus in research today. And we have a lot of wearables now selling this. You can do it with your app, for example, using your index finger, or you can measure with a different kind of tools. Can you take us back? What did you do with the first iPhone that you can actually use to measure this and why using the phone and not another type of wearable? Yeah, so I think, you know, the first reason is just accessibility and, you know, making it easy and affordable for mm. pretty much everyone because, you know, we all have a phone. So if you can use it to measure your physiology, that becomes very powerful because yeah. you, know, you don't need anything else. This doesn't mean that you cannot use a sensor, of course, right? There are many mm. great sensors out there. Um, so, you know, for me, the app works also with sensors and in general, uh, as long as you use a sensor that is being validated, that shows that it's accurate. I think, uh, you know, many different uh, approaches can be used and they're all good. I think what matters really is that, you know, people get to understand a bit what they're measuring, you know, what are we talking about with heart rate variability, which, you know, in my view is basically just a simple non-invasive way to measure how your body is responding to stress, right? So it's not measuring the stressor itself, you know, it's not like measuring training load or external load, you know, in um, endurance sports or in team sports, it's really the response of the body. That, that's why, you know, it becomes useful complementary information because uh, you know you do different things and we 
are all um, you know facing many different stressors in our lives. Some are training related, many are not. Right, there is anything linked to you know lifestyle, work stressors, and all of that. And these aspects, of course, they are all important because there is only so much stress that we can take. Right, the cumulative effect of stressors leads to um, let's say negative uh, responses. You know that is overtraining or it's burnout work-related, you know, there's so many different, let's say, negative responses we can face. Uh, and by measuring the body's response to stress with tools like HRV, then we can try, you know, to make small adjustments and basically avoid these um, negative situations. Nice, nice. And if we take the, 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 the science behind the HRV, can you explain this to us, listeners, what is it and uh, why is it important? Yeah, yeah. So basically, you know, the way this works is, um, yeah, in fact, pretty simple, right? So we face stressors and, uh, you know, we sense stress and the nervous system will basically respond to these stressors, trying to maintain a state of balance, right? So the body is continuously readjusting everything from, you know, heart rate, blood pressure. Uh, and, you know, all of that is done so that we stay in this let's say optimal zone in which we function well and stress is always a disruption of this uh, optimal zone and in particular many of these changes in the body happen automatically right we don't have to think about them and those are controlled by the autonomic nervous system and in particular the parasympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system is uh, what is basically in charge of rest and recovery and you know the uh, the regulation of the stressors. And that is something that we can measure with heart rate variability measurements at rest. So because basically the parasympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system, among the many things that it regulates, it will regulate heart rhythm. So it will have an impact on heart rhythm. And that's what we measure. So by measuring heart rhythm and heart rate variability is just a term that you know simply means that we are measuring this variability be between consecutive beats over a period of time, uh, which, which is something we can do in many different ways. But um, in practice, uh, what happens is that in a period between one and five minutes, you can quantify uh, the parasympathetic activity on heart modulation, and that's a representative of uh, physiological stress. What that means is, for example, that uh, if your parasympathetic system is suppressed, so there is more stress, then there will be reduced heart rate variability. So that's something that you can quantify numerically. And then from there, you know, measuring every day, for example, you can see how things change uh, in response to the various stressors you face. Mm, nice. Give us an like example then though, Marco. Let's say that you have measurements, you have a a couple of week measurements. What do you suggest firstly? What is the what is the window of measurements that you prefer to have measured? Is it one week? Is it two weeks? Is it three weeks? And after answering that question, what kind of measurement do you mean it's most reliable to have the data that you want to see and explore deeper? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question because you know normally 
you know, you can measure your HRV, you take your first measurement, and then, you know, you get some number. And what does that mean, right? So mm. uh, the first thing to understand is that HRV is not really something we can compare, for example, between people or in absolute terms. So we take our measurements, we basically have learned close to nothing. We really need to take more measurements. <laughs> and we need to, that, to do that, you know, on a daily basis, because we need to establish basically what is our own normal. We call this, you know, your normal range, for example, so that, you know, there is much variability between consecutive days, but, you know, your data will always fluctuate more or less around certain values. So um, we would recommend normally to use between one and two months of data, even just to understand what is your normal. And okay. even in your research studies, you know, normally uh, they use four weeks. And I think this already on the short side, because, you know, research studies have also limitations, right? In terms of, you know, how much time you have to run the study, for example. So having, you know, just one month of data instead of two could be a reason just for that. Um, in my view, two months of data is, is great, uh, a great trade-off between, you know, not adjusting your normal values too quickly, because then if you face a period of chronic stress, you know, your values will go down, your daily score will be lower, your, uh, baseline, which is what we call, you know, just the seven days moving average. So just, you know, your recent trend will be below your normal values and that highlights higher stress. So you don't want to change, you know, what is considered your normal too quickly. Um, but yeah, so we, you know, we use up to that much time uh, between one and two months to determine what is normal. And then from there, when you measure, then you can really understand what the score is telling you because you contextualize it with respect to this normal range. So if your score is below your normal, then clearly there is significant stress on the body. Uh, while you know the first day you measure or the first couple of days, you get some numbers, but you don't know what is your normal yet because you have just taken some measurements. So it's too soon to derive those kind of conclusions. And that's why you know, it always takes some time before we can use effectively these tools. Um, and in general, I would always recommend you know, for regardless of this for several weeks or even months just to collect data without thinking about implementing many changes because I think there is a phase which is all about awareness and learning how stress uh, is affecting us um, and what stressors have a bigger effect on our physiology maybe you know some people um, have a poor night of sleep and it's totally fine for them Others might have impaired physiologists for like three or four days following a very poor night of sleep. So that, you know, just by measuring, you learn these things and then you combine that with how you feel and you start making small adjustments basically to keep things more in balance. Mm. Interesting. And, and then I have a practical question for you because I have been measuring measure my HRV with your app of course, and, and with my polar watch, because I have it, uh, my polar sensor does, gives me that kind of data if I want it, of course, depends on the model that you have. But I, I, I did have a poor night sleep uh, on, uh, I think it was on Friday. I, I went late to sleep, my choice. And then I was supposed to have a session on Saturday and I saw my numbers are way, way below the normal, as you mentioned. But I thought, okay, let's see. I'm, I'm supposed to run this three Ks around the, around the pitch, just to just take care easy. And then I just, just thought, okay, 
let's drive a little bit harder and just have a, keep a higher pace. And then I was thinking all the time <laughs> about my numbers. You know, the numbers that I got in the morning, I was, that's why I feel so poor today. I feel so bad today. And then I'm just suddenly just stopped. My, my training yeah. session was just, I was like, okay, I stop with the pace that I put up with. So I seized the, the pace. I, I just took it slowly, uh, more slowly and took it easy. And then I finished my, 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 my exercise or my, my session like 20 minutes after I stopped mentally. <laughs> what I think that is the thing that I take with me is that, yes, I need to listen to my body. It's just one thing for sure. And uh, this HRV stuff, if we call it that way, is individual. But what are the pros and cons in having that in your mind? <laughs> because I think that I was blocked by just thinking about, I'm supposed to take it easy today, but if I didn't know about my numbers, should I do the same or will I do another option? What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a great question. And, you know, these aspects are extremely important, especially, you know, when we work with athletes and there is no doubt that, you know, uh, data can have an impact on the way we then, uh, you know, process this information and, um, yeah, and, and, and yeah, the psychological level simply, you know, it's, uh, it's something that can impact us. So let's uh, break this down. I would say mm -hmm. first from um, what just um, ignoring for a second this aspect, just coming back to your example of, uh, you know, you have a suppressed score. Um, what should you do? The research tells us, um, you know, training is fine. Uh, just maybe the intensity is something that becomes, um, let's say, dangerous, so to speak, in the context of uh, potentially then reducing um, basically the positive effect of the session. Basically, our ability to assimilate the stressor is impaired. So it doesn't mean that we cannot perform, sometimes we can still perform, but if it is just a training session, it's not a race, then this could be something that, um, you know, basically leads to um, not optimal outcomes in the longer term. So it's more about, you know, impairing future recovery and adaptations more than this session itself. So that's why, you know, uh, we have to think a bit on those lines uh, because, you know, we've seen several studies at this point where uh, athletes that go through HRV guided training, it's called. So it simply means that, you know, if your HRV is suppressed, basically you just scale down the intensity, um, eventually perform better after, you know, eight, 12 weeks of training, even if they skip a couple of hard workouts because, you know, their body was just not in, ready to assimilate the stimulus. So it's almost better. Well, According to the studies, actually better not to have that kind of stimulus more than having it when you're just not, uh, you know, when timing is not right. That's the first thing which is important. Uh, so in general, you know, also depending on the level of the athlete, right? If you work out every day, then when you have a little more stress, um, it doesn't mean that you should, you know, just be on the couch all day. If you're if you're a person that is used to train. And by all means, train, just be a bit more careful about certain aspects, you know, maybe you go a bit shorter or you go easy and you do the session another day and just to give, try to give priority to recovery. Uh, 
But Marco, do you think that that, for example, sorry to interrupt you, but do you think that over issue or overtraining or issues with your muscular and skeletal health happens when athletes doesn't listen to their body instead of yeah. the amount you know, of training? That's uh, another great point. So obviously everything is combined, right? Mm. Everything happens at the same time. If there is more stress on the body, we are also at higher risk of mm. you know, getting muscular injuries, even though mm. HRV itself is not uh, capturing uh, muscular load, right? Mm. So that's why we need to look at different aspects, but still it would uh, basically tell you that, you know, just your, your body, uh, you know, is fighting stress basically right now. So other forms of stress also might be more dangerous, uh, even though they're not quantified directly by this parameter. Um, and, you know, I don't want to say that this D1, the only parameter we need to, to look at, I, you know, I don't believe in isolating just one thing and thinking that that's the only thing that matters. Obviously, we all know that, you know, there are many things happening at the same time. Uh, some things, you know, we can understand subjectively. Others, you know, we can get some objective feedback and we can combine all of this information with things like external load, training load, uh, and try to, you know, get to the full picture that way. But still, I think it's quite clear that it's an important marker in this context, just because it's, you know, a marker of stress and stress is basically what we do day in and day out, right? Regardless of where it comes from. Mm. Um, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. So if you just summarize it in a short, in a short sentence, then what are the potential drawbacks of HRV? Can it cause that me as a recreational athlete may be holding back when I see the numbers and what can it do with an athlete on a higher level? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, in, uh, in general, anything that is quantifying aspects of physiology or life that is HIV or sleep or any, any other metric or even, even just heart rate during workouts, uh, you know, any sort of parameter, I think we always need to understand if we can we can work with it or yeah. if it is more problematic than not having it. Not every athlete is the same. I think with recreational athletes, I think in general, it is useful to have it because they are the ones that tend to do too much, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, they have a bit less structure. They maybe even have more stress that is not training related. Mm -hmm. Um, they are less um, in tune with their own body, right? A professional athlete normally knows what is going on and they could use these technologies just as, you know, to gain some extra confidence on the process, you know, yeah. I'm training well, I'm following this plan and, you know, I have all this coaching stuff and my data looks good. So fantastic. Mm. And, you know, the unexpected can always happen, right? We just had having like a year and a half long pandemic so far, right? Mm -hmm. And that has had huge impact in, you know, people's lives mm -hmm. and as a form of stress, especially maybe at the very beginning. So the unexpected is always happening. So we, these kind of things can always help even if you are an elite athlete and, you know, you have a solid process, you know, you never know what is gonna come next. Uh, but at the same time, you know, to your point, I, I also agree that, you know, we need to understand in which situations uh, the technology can help, in which situations the technology, um, you know, might cause people to overthink things. 
Um, I think this is something that is happening um, as you know, we all these tools, for example, rely a lot on, for example, the daily score to provide you with some feedback, you know, because of course we need to keep people engaged also with uh, the tools so that, you know, on a daily basis, they understand um, how the data is changing and they are motivated to keep using them. At the same time, I think it's important to try to communicate well um, to the person, the user, the athlete that we should really try to always look also at the big picture and you know not just be so reactive acutely at the daily level, but also let's see how things are going this week, you know, and try to take a step back and you know, let's look at your normal values, your baselines, so just the recent trend, and then try to use this information together with, you know, how do you feel now? And um, it's, you know, people are different. Some people might get really obsessive into these kind of things, and then maybe it's better not to have them. Other people, you know, hopefully um, the majority of the people we work with um, eventually, you know, I think gets great benefit from that additional layers of awareness uh, and objectiveness around what is the impact of stress on their body. Nice, nice, Marco. So let's talk about, about a little bit about your app, the HRE for training. Uh, let's talk about the features of the app and what me or athletes especially can get insights from so that they can enhance their performance and yeah results yeah yeah for sure well you know first i would say maybe a bit of you know just guidance on how to use these tools is also important uh you know hme for trainings yeah it's uh, an app that you know again allows you to measure with the phone camera or with external sensors, um, both methods, you know, have been validated with respect to ECG. So the measurement is reliable. Uh, I think, you know, normally my recommendation is just pick what works for you. You know, what what is simpler. It is much more important to be consistent over time um, than you know to use a method that maybe we perceive as the most accurate, but then we measure you know once per week, and then there is really no use in the data. It's mm -hmm. more about you know. Uh, day in and day out, trying to collect this data with respect to other stressors. Uh, we recommend using the app first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up. That's the easiest. Uh, it's also what we do normally in studies, because you know, due to the nature of what we measure, which is the, again the response of the autonomic nervous system to stress, things are always changing. So if you measure, you know, after you had coffee or after you exercised, basically there are these other transit stressors that will have an impact on your physiology just for maybe a couple of minutes to a couple of hours. And that's not what, what we want to capture. We want to capture physiological stress at rest. So, you know, first thing in the morning, that's the easiest, uh, you know, before you do anything else, take your measurement. One minute is good enough. And it's been also shown in different studies, um, you know, comparing one to five minutes for the metrics we use uh, one minute is sufficient, so normally that's also what we recommend, so that it's again easier to be consistent and do it every day. Because mm -hmm. I mean, everybody is busy, but one yeah. minute is just one minute. Yeah. <laughs> and then after the measurement, in the app you will see um, a questionnaire with a couple of questions that you can log basically for yourself to gather context. Because you know, uh, after a couple of days or weeks or months, when you go back and look at your data. 
I think it's really important to have context around it because otherwise, you know, physiological data is impossible to interpret if you don't have context. And even if yeah. it is your own, mm-hmm. you know, after after a couple of months, maybe you forgot that that night you slept poorly or, you know, that day you had, um, I don't know, some other stressor or there was more muscle soreness during this week because it was a load week and things like that. So you just annotate a couple of things and then the app will basically compare your daily score to your normal as it has been estimated again, you know, in the past two months using all your data and it will tell you, okay, today, you know, your HRV is suppressed. So maybe it's a good idea to take it easy. Or if things are within normal, then the app simply will tell you that, you know, uh, physiology is normal, proceed according to whatever is your plan. And I think that's also, you know, an important point in the past there was maybe this idea that HRV always had to be higher or that when it was higher, you had to go hard. I think we fortunately moved away from this and it's more like, okay, physiology should be normal. You know, you don't want uh, very high blood pressure or very low blood pressure, right? So this, I think, similar in that, in that sense, you know, you want things to be in your optimal zone. And when things are good, if you had scheduled a rest day or an easy day, by all means do that because, you know, you start with the plan and then you make small adjustments based on HRV, but HRV is not what drives every decision. Uh, you know, if everything is normal, it means your plan is going well. So just keep going with that uh, and no need to make any changes. Mm. Nice, nice, nice. What a great answer. But Marco, having in mind that you have been using or working with this app for almost 10 years now, yeah, <laughs> that is uh, that is a great great anniversary next year, and uh, and you have been trust for several thousand of people, teams at high level, Olympic medalists, world champions. Can you just take our our listeners to what is what is what is the data behind the data that you work with? What are the main insights that those kind of athletes at highest level? have gained from the app. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I think um, the first aspects uh, that we tried to highlight was always in the context of acute stressors. And, you know, those are stressors that have a strong impact on physiology and last normally between, you know, 24 hours and a couple of days, depending on the type of stressor. And I'm thinking, you know, a hard workout or um, the menstrual cycle for people that have a regular cycle or uh, getting sick, uh, things like that, that, you know, quite easy to reproduce in the, you know, in the context of applying the stressor and then seeing the response. Mm. So we've seen, you know, many studies uh, highlighting how these technologies and the app can capture changes in physiology following these kind of stressors so that, mm. you know, you can, assess the body's response and implement changes. Um, and, you know, some of these studies were, were actually, um, you know, quite, quite new simply because before we didn't have, you know, the means to measure, for example, physiology for a couple of months while going through a couple of menstrual cycles for, um, again, people with a regular cycle that could see easily how, for example, HRV drops during, you know, the luteal phase of the cycle. And that's mm-hmm. something quite reproducible. And, you know, it tells you mm-hmm. that maybe there is something you can do in terms of 
training periodization, depending, of course, on how the athlete feels and all of that. But still, before when we had, you know, different systems and people would measure maybe once uh, every month or every two weeks uh, in the lab, you know, in a situation that is already stressing out the athlete, right? Because you take them to a lab, then you tell them, okay, now rest mm-hmm. there and relax. And they will measure you <laughs> with this, you know, with 20 cables on your body. So it's just, I think for certain things, uh, yeah, the validity of actually what we are learning is much higher now than when mm-hmm. you had these lab systems that are still uh, recognized as the gold standard, but maybe not so much when you consider also uh, what you are measuring and, and the way it should be measured. So I think a lot uh, from that point of view. Similarly, uh, other acute stressors, you know, you think about acute um, changes due to training at altitude, something we've been doing also here in the Netherlands with the national team in triathlon. So they would go, you know, to altitude camps and measure and we could see certain changes in physiology, for example, the ones that had the biggest changes uh, in the first few days, you know, for example, heart rate being much higher and HIV suppressed um, or the data more jumping around, which is also a sign of not ideal response, uh, would struggle a bit more to adapt to the stimulus even after two, three weeks that they were at altitude. So it's just, you know, and um, the ones that had, you know, more, uh, let's say a less obvious uh, stress response had also better data at the end of the camp so i think there are you know many different aspects that we can uh, that we can investigate um when we link the data to this um let's say strong stressors that we can easily quantify mm. then on the on the user side i think at this point um i think i'm maybe even more interested in simply just building a tool that makes it really easy to understand Mm. when basically how stress is going for you so that mm. you can make changes more than you know using the pool data to figure out any complex long-term relationships because you know anything that is happening in the long term mm. will be uh, the compound effect of so many different stressors at the same time and they will change over time you yeah. know maybe you sleep bad one week and then everything is fine the week after, but then there is work stress. And, you know, it's, I think it's difficult from an outside view to capture long, tra- long-term st- um, trends in a meaningful way. But mm-hmm. I think it can be really powerful for the individual using the tool and knowing the context because they are living it uh, to then learn from that data and, and make changes. Yeah, yeah, of course. So what kind of practical, practical applications do they use when using the HRV for training app? So I think that um, most professionals, you know, typically would work with a coach that understand what is this data about. Um, and something that comes back to us frequently from let's say at the elite level is really that often it is used as a tool to start a conversation you know that means that you know people measure the athletes measure and obviously again they understand their body they have stuff they, there's a lot that goes you know behind beyond decision making 
and it's not just blindly following an app, which is something you know um, quite obvious when you know you need to look at again multiple parameters and trying to understand how these things play a role together. But when you know you're measuring your HRV daily and there is suppression in HRV and maybe it lasts a couple of days and you know your baseline goes down, uh, so clearly there is some stressor there, and maybe training has not changed it's not something that is coming from that so mm. what is happening and mm. you know in many cases uh maybe it's something personal you know something that is happening in your life that you're going mm. through or maybe something unexpected again maybe you're just getting sick or maybe you know it's a seasonal allergy there are like mm. so many things and you know just looking at the data objectively instead of powering through without understanding very well what is happening Mm. I think it's a powerful way to, you know, again, start the conversation, talk about what is happening, try to make, you know, useful changes. Um, so, yeah, I would say maybe, you know, at the, really at the basic awareness level, um, it's how the tool has been used, uh, especially at the highest levels, while, you know, for, uh, let's say, recreational athletes and so, maybe you use it more also for guidance because, you know, it's one of the few tools that allow you to capture physiological stress. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what about the recovery points? Recovery. Yeah. I, I'm, I think recovery will be one of the main issues of athletes to just focus on, especially if they are at a high altitude, for example, or training in um, in in an environment that they, they that the body can be stressed off. What what can you talk about about those points? Yeah, yeah, this is just, you know, what we uh, use in the system, transforming HRV into something that is a bit more, let's say, easier to read, uh, yeah. you know, just a different scale. But eventually, it's really just your HRV. So what it tells you is, again, just the need for rest if uh, the parasympathetic system is uh, suppressed because of too high stress. And, you know, in that case, um, what we have been learning over the years, I think also thanks to these uh, studies using HRV to guide training, uh, but also you know feedback from coaches and athletes using it. I think it's that it's really um, about the intensity. That is what we should manage maybe more using these kind of systems more than, you know, training or volume or in general, especially if we think about endurance athletes and things like that. Um, you know, it's always it's always fine to train as long as basically the strain and you know the cardiovascular stress and, and everything remains quite limited because that is the stressor that you know we have more difficulty um, recovering from. Mm. I think that you know this has been shown also with HRV measurements done right after different types of sessions and workouts, right? So basically you stress the system differently and then you see how long it takes to recover with respect to pre-workout values. Mm -hmm. And there also you can see that, you know, if you start training at certain intensities, then it just takes a lot longer to the body to get back to pre-training values. So that tells you a lot about the stress. So, so in general, it seems that, you know, for lower intensity efforts and things like that it's always uh, an option you know it's always something that you can do if you know you train daily and that's that's no problem even if hrv is suppressed mm, i understand that but let's say that you have an athlete that 
you have the, you have followed you know that we know that uh, the the baseline hrv is impossible to compare with others it's yep. it's your own but let's see that you know the baseline of the, that athlete that particular athlete and you stress them as a coach with training of course when do you hold them back <laughs> if you see that the baseline is either way too high or way too low can you explain that to the listeners yeah yeah for sure so i think the first um, aspect is really to understand that the hrv is the response so even if you it does not having like a stable hrv does not mean not stressing the body it means that you stress the body but the athlete or yourself are responding well so you don't go into basically a negative response state. Mm. Uh, so if we look at, you know, uh, top triathletes that, you know, train for Kona, like mm. their HRV is never below their normal, like in a year, unless they're sick or something, because, you know, they can take a lot of training and, you know, they train really hard. It's not mm -hmm. that they are really resting. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you train really hard, but your system is responding really well, unless something is going wrong. Mm. So what you expect normally, is just you know to train follow your periodization and monitor that everything is going well uh you do not expect the baseline to go down even if you have a period of high load if the athlete is responding well however if it does go down then i think it's when you really need to pay attention because then uh you know you want that to bounce back quickly so maybe you know, you had already planned that after this block, there is a recovery week or something. And then you want to see that things go back to normal real quick, because if it doesn't, then maybe it's time to reassess before you start the next block, because you don't want to do that high intensity block with HRV already suppressed, which, you know, from what we have learned from the different studies would lead to basically just reduce performance um, in the longer term. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think, you know, in general, we don't necessarily expect these kind of changes even when you load you know the body should respond well to the stressor if you have the capacity for that stress if you don't have it uh then maybe you know you're going to negative state and then you know recovery needs to be given priority mm, nice nice and taking taking you back 10 years now almost of the hr for training hrv for training app and if you look forward 10 years, what is the future of the app and the HRV <laughs> measurements? What do you think? Great, what do you, what do you want? What do you want to reach? And so I think, uh, you know, in general, um, I don't know, my interest has evolved over the years, right? Of course, while doing this, uh, I think there was a lot about measuring and I think that's still key, the assessment part. We need to, you know, we need to understand where we are at, uh, yeah. how we respond. That's the first step. But I think, you know, at this point, there are also other things that we might try to actually influence the data. You know, mm -hmm. so maybe, you know, now we, there's a lot of talking about different aspects of breathing, right? Maybe we can do deep breathing practice to stimulate parasympathetic activity, and that mm -hmm. might have an effect also on our baseline HRV or how we respond to stressors. So I think, you know, in the future, um, those aspects linked to basically trying to do something that will impact the data, something other than uh, rest, you know, like proactively doing something that might have a positive effect physiologically. 
I think that's uh, something that can be very interesting. Similarly, looking at other aspects and other signals that now can be measured and, you know, five, 10 years ago could not be measured. Like I'm thinking continuous glucose monitoring, uh, you know, things that have also a very tight coupling with stress, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, your glucose response is poor and higher if you are stressed and all of that. So what is the interplay of these factors and, you know, what can we do basically to manage better the system? Mm, what a nice answer. And if you take that sentence or that great answer with this example, because I'm just thinking while you're talking, yeah. okay, Marco, it's really good. Let's say that you do a study with yoga performers, that they are really good at mobility and breathing. And then you take a triathlete, as you mentioned, they train a lot, but they don't perform yoga. They do the high intensity work, the low intensity work, the swimming, the biking, the running, everything. And then you try to measure them while the yoga people are doing breathing exercise throughout the day, more, more mostly. And the triathlete is more or less just recovering with sleep and maybe cold water immersions. How does those two aspects, how, they, how can they, may, they um, affect the HRV in a yeah. term? Yeah, so I think you know, one aspect is always, of course, that in each case, the data is always used uh, you know, with respect to their own history. So yeah. you know, maybe things are very different between people and you know, habits and things like that. Yeah. But it's always interpreted that way. And the other thing that I you know, always say is like, it's just stress at the end of the day. That's what, you know, because in the, in the very past, people mm. would say always it's, you, this technology is helpful, for example, only in endurance sports, mm. but you know, it doesn't make any sense because yeah. if you look at people that don't do any sport exactly. uh, and you look at research in, you know, in psychology, what do they measure? They measure HRV mm. <laughs> because that's a market of stress. So that's why it's important, I think, because, yeah. you know, our capacity to handle stress is, you know, limited. And regardless if you are, uh, you know, meditating hours per day or if you are an Ironman, there will be different stressors and there will be different responses based yeah. on who you are. Even people doing the exact same things, you know, you will respond differently from another person. Yeah. And even yourself, we respond differently to the same stressor over time because there might be other play, other things playing a role. So that's why it's kind it's of complex. <laughs> yeah, right. it's at the end of the day, you know, it's just uh, a way to be aware of how these factors play a role, um, and then possibly at a certain point influence mm. them by you know making choices that might have a better effect on you. Yeah. Nice. And having in mind that you have been working with this for a decade almost, and you just told us a little bit about the future as well. Uh, how do you see yourself as a coach and as the innovator that you are today compared 10 years ago? Hmm. Um, I've been trying to understand myself a bit better the things that we do you know <laughs> i think as you say it's uh yeah it's easy but it's also complex <laughs> mm. so uh, yeah 
I think uh, you know just a bit also more aware of uh, different aspects linked, mm. you know, to both everything from physiology to technology, uh, and you know, learning more every day. I think that's uh, what keeps me going. It's you know, a continuous learning experience from uh, you know the people using it, from you know, our understanding of the physiology, from the various studies using these technologies across different fields. Uh, yeah, you know, there is. Uh, always something to learn. Yeah, that's true, Marco. And uh, where can we reach you, Marco? Where can, where can we get more insights from you, your research, or where can we follow you? Yeah, so I've been uh, using Twitter quite a lot recently after getting off it. <laughs> and now I'm back, so I think that's a good, uh, yeah, it's a good place. I think I try to be responsive yeah. and help out and show things related to the the products we make and the handle is at altini underscore marco um and yeah of course then there is asiabeforetraining.com and uh yeah i would say those are the main resources yeah and of course i will link those links on the episode and also your recent your recent research work because it's uh, a valid a valid place to to follow uh, yeah, and, for sure. and, and and then i know that you are also, um, you're, research, you're still researching, of course, and you're helping in the, uh, as a lecturer uh, at the university in Amsterdam, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. So we have a course in, uh, you know, data in sport and health. I think, you know, that's also yeah. something that in general sports scientists, I think we'll have to deal with one way or the other, you know, data is everywhere. So we try yeah. to get them better at coding and uh, using the tools, yeah. Because one thing that you mentioned, of course, uh, before, Marco, is to make people to understand the work that you do. I myself, I have difficulties to explain what that data can be measured and used for, you, if, you know, if you know what I mean. But it's yeah. just the way this, you have to learn and you, just, you, know, you, you have to just don't give up because the data can be so insightful in the long term. And when you got it, then you know that Okay, we are on the path towards the the holy truth, if you can put it that way, <laughs> because you can't get the, the the whole truth, but almost. And and the HRV measurements gives athletes and researchers and of course practitioners a way to just follow a trend that you can either minimize or keep in a higher tempo. So it's. It's a great measurement. And uh, other things that you can share with us, something that we need to get in touch with. Yeah, no, I think this was you know, a great overview, great summary of uh, the things we've been doing. So uh, I hope it was helpful to you know, understand yeah, a bit was. better HRV. It was. So Marco, thank you very much for joining the podcast. And I hope that you continue with the great work. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, it was great to be here. Uh, bye. Bye bye. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by the Buyers Reopen Performance application. The application gives you the continuity to reach your goals at any level, whenever and wherever. The workouts, programs, and boot camps are made and customized to your needs and consist of trained therapists and strength and conditioning coaches with long experience in health and fitness. Buyer's clients range from the novice athlete to World Cup medalists and Olympians. This episode is also brought to you in cooperation with Sparta Science. Sparta Science is the industry's gold standard for force plate machine learning 
that predicts, improves, and validates individual and team availability. With a simple two-minute scan per person, organizations increase fitness levels, prevent injuries, and accurately predict teams' readiness using the world's largest machine learning for force-based database.